Welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. Hello. Hello. I feel like I'm raping my mic. Well, you kind of has to. Or I can talk like a grown-up. There's that, too. Use your big girl voice. Yeesh. So welcome back, everybody. 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 Everyone's a bunny. Everybody's a bunny. <laughs> You're a bunny. I'm a, a bunny. bunny. We're all bunnies. Everybody. She's going to cry. And, and I'm, I'm going to cry. cry. And, and we're, we're all, all going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the bitches of Eastwick. <laughs> I need to watch that movie. Somebody was quoting it the other day on another page. And I'm like, uh, all right. Uh, here we go. Well, I wore my uh, Billy Bob shirt to go visit my brother. Yeah. And you have to sign in when you come in. Like, they have a lot of staunch rules at the treatment yeah. center. Anyway, so I'm signing in and my brother goes, that shirt is fucking badass. And I turned around and there's this new guy there from California, like this really rich dude that owns a bunch of different businesses. Mm-hmm. And he's in a rehab in Utah. His wife's in a rehab in California. Oh, no. I know. But at least they're getting help. No shit. But he's like, oh, my God. And he's all Billy Bob. Billy Bob. Billy Bob. <laughs> like started chanting it. And I, I thought it was pretty funny. But he's like, hey, little sister, you didn't happen to bring your laptop, did you? And my brother starts laughing. He's like, they want all the music that you have on your iPod. Because I oh. gave my brother my iPod. Well, yeah. it's Spencer's iPod to use while he's there because they can't have any devices with wi-fi but i there's movies and shit on there because they're not supposed to have that either yeah but i gave him spencer's ipod to use that has like five thousand plus songs on it yeah and they're like we would also like those songs but i'm like yeah no that's against the rules yeah sorry you'll have to get a speaker tweeter do you think you'll enjoy prison prison what the fuck is that wait what fuck is on my dick <laughs> tweeter do you think you'll enjoy prison so we are episode 64 64 64 and we're going to be talking about joseph e duncan the third who i have dubbed the claw hammer madman of idaho oh, and before shit. we get into that we're going to talk a little bit about some of our spiancers if you'd like to support the gory gals of Color Me Dead by donating to our Patreon, go to patreon.com backslash Color Me Dead podcast. Every dollar helps us get what we need. How about, let's, let me do that over. Every dollar <laughs> helps us and we appreciate every single one of our Patreons. With a big thanks to our examinators, Samantha Vaughn, Sharon Hoffman, and Clinton Toon. Also, if you guys are interested in some amazing art, go to streettrashart.com. Use a promo code COLORMEDEAD for 13% off your order. You guys need to check this out. They will actually do custom pieces that you can't find anywhere else, and they do them on vinyl records. It's fucking incredible. And yeah, it's hand-painted. They also have things like Jeffrey Dahmer body butter. And I can't remember what the other sprays are, but you have to go check out their oh, website. Oh, yeah. It's it's fucking awesome. Yeah. And the 13% off I thought was pretty fucking clever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. You like to hit, hit, go. Here we Joseph go. E. Duncan Sorry. the third 
was known as Jet. So that was kind of his... The reason why he had that nickname was because Joseph J, his middle name E, and then he was the third, so T, Jet. So as you go through this story with us, you'll hear that that's what I refer him, like that's how I refer to him, because it just made it easy while I was pounding this case out. So he was born February 25th of 1963 in Tacoma, Washington. Um, He's an American serial killer and convicted, Convected. Like a convection oven. <laughs> it was convected. <laughs> For about five minutes till oh. he was toasty. Shit. <laughs> I feel like a total valley girl. I don't know if you know, but he was convected. He was totally convicted. Convected. Of, like these crazy things he did. Oh, my was, God. Oh, my God. I can't, I can't even. You know what? And I, there's a girl that I used to go to school with in college, my first year of college, she talked like that. But she had the weirdest accent, and I don't know where she was from, but instead of saying bag, she'd say big. Big. Uh, I need to go grab my bag. And I was like, what the pick. fuck? You have to pick an accent. You can't be Valley Girl and whatever I, that is. I felt like that scene out of Moana where Tamatoa, the little crabs, got her, and he's like, pick, pick, pick an eye. Pick an eye, sweetie. <laughs> and she's just like, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, he was a convicted level three sex offender, and he's currently sitting on death row. He is the second youngest of five kids. He was born to Joseph Duncan II, who was a military man, and he was often deployed. Now, his mother, I couldn't find her name to save my life, but she was a rig- like a really rigid. All right. One day, my mouth <laughs> and my brain are going to coordinate, be friends instead of whatever civil war they're fucking having inside of my body, <laughs> and I will fucking spit shit out like you would not believe. Today is not that fucking day. You'll be the next Eminem when it does. <laughs> yeah, right? Right. So his mother was a... Re- <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> I can't look at the word or I'm going to, um, I got, I get merds mixed up. <laughs> he had a mother who was a religious zealot and. Wait, what's a zealot? Just a, a person that goes above and beyond overboard, like borderline obsessed. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeesh. Don't use big words around me. I'm not smart. <laughs> or words that I don't know. Or it's not even a big word. We need a, we need a dictionary and a thesaurus. Oh, yeesh. Yeesh. What is said word? words so i couldn't find her name but i did find his sister sherry cox and she gave a little bit of insight into their upbringing so the five duncan children were with their mother a lot and sherry actually advised that her mother often ranted about how much she hated men how they were worthless she attended church obsessively um minus the church part who does that remind us of ed uh Women are the devil. She devils. Um, Bobby Boucher, women are the devil. devil. Mama says alligators are ornery because they got all them <laughs> teeth and no toothbrush. <laughs> so she would go to church relentlessly. I mean, it was an obsessive thing for her. And she beat her kids mercilessly. She, Sherry, also stated that Jet was a passive victim who took a harsh beating and Following it would just retreat to his room whimpering, afraid to cry because that would just bring on more beatings. Of course. Sherry also said that in the event that you fought back or tried to defend yourself in any way, it just went south. Oh, dude, it was like warp speed beating. Like, my mom didn't beat me, beat me, but I got a good 
firm hand because that's how it was in the 80s like we got we got spanked when we were in trouble and if we like acted like it didn't hurt a (laughs) or tried to hide like fight it like put your your hands over your bum oh fuck it was gonna turn into something bad my brothers used to laugh when my mom would hit him because she didn't hit with the same force that my dad hit. Yeah. But if you laughed, God fucking help you. Yes. My brother laughed once. Oh, Never ever. Yeah, I fake fucking... cried the shit out of it from then on. Oh, yeah. Nope. You won't laugh later. <laughs> no, fuck. He didn't either. <laughs> so their deployed father was often the subject of her rants, obviously. She's there alone. They moved a lot, you know, yeah. trying to raise five kids. And I think she probably had some mental health issues like bipolar depression, something like that. Yeah. Um, You don't just haul off and beat the fuck out of your kids for no reason. You know what I mean? Unless you're a complete psycho. Yeah. Now, his sister Sherry left home at a very early age at 17 to escape their mom. And on several years, uh, she only saw Jet several years later when he was a patient, inpatient at a mental facility in Washington. Wait, how far apart did you say they were? Him and his sister, Jet and his sister? So I believe she was the second oldest and he was the second youngest. So there was probably a four to five year span. Okay. Um, Jet's violent criminal history dates back to his middle teens at the age of 15. Um, His first was in Tacoma, Washington, where he actually lured a nine-year-old boy away and raped him at gunpoint. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. 15 when he did that. Um, This took place in 1978, and it was his first recorded sex crime. In 79, he was caught driving a stolen car, which landed him in Dislin's Boys Ranch in Tacoma. During his time at the Boys Ranch, he was assigned a therapist to his case, um, as many of these rehabilitation programs have. During the time that he was with the therapist, he admitted that he bound and assaulted at least six boys, and he admitted that he figured maybe 13 younger boys he had raped by the time he was 16. What the fuck? Yeah. This guy has just like a deep-seated history of fuckery most foul. Was there any history of him getting raped or anything, or just the beatings from his mom? Um, Later... And we'll talk about that later. But yeah, he does talk about that. He um, he does claim to have been sexually assaulted, which would make sense. Yeah. I don't know who and I don't know when, but he does claim that he was molested and sexually assaulted. The reason I was wondering is because like Charles Manson, that's Mm -hmm. how he started a lot of his shit is. A a lot of people do. You either go... it, it seems like, from my perspective in the things that I've read, you either go one of two ways. You either would never, ever do that because you would never want to hurt yeah. another soul and you want to protect people, or you go to the other end of the spectrum where you want people to feel the same pain and you want that same control. Yeah. In 1980, Jet stole a bunch of firearms from a neighbor's home and... Subs- In 1980, Jet stole a bunch of firearms from a neighbor's home. He then subsequently abducted a 14-year-old boy who he would go on to sodomize while holding him at gunpoint. He was sentenced to 20 years for his crimes committed against that boy. Wow. Could you... Could you imagine? Could you? 14 years old being sodomized at gunpoint. No, that's fucking horrible. Yeah. This guy had some fucking issues. Um, 
Jet spent all but six years of his adult life in prison. His brother, Bruce Duncan, stated that his brother was simply a broken man and that he's not a monster. He just doesn't value human life. He has a problem. How is that not a monster? Please Gee, tell me. you fucking think? He has a problem? That's Who my definition of a monster. <laughs> right? What the fuck do I know? I mean, we're just podcasters and stay-at-home moms, but... Uh, I mean, I'm just a lowly podcaster. Yes, but call me crazy if I think that that's the definition of a monster. You know, I fucking disagree. Yeah, he is a broken man, and he does have a problem, but that doesn't make him any less of a perverse fucking monster for the shit that he does and will do. I wonder if his brother has kids. Like, would you turn around and be like, if somebody did that to your kid, what would you call that person? Exactly. A fucking would, monster. Would you let him babysit your children? No. 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 Jet was paroled in 1994. However, he he violated the terms of his parole and was returned to prison again in 1996 for possession of marijuana. He was then paroled only a few weeks later with new restrictions, and then he was returned to prison again for violations um, and was not released again until July of 2000, and then he would go on to move to Fargo, North Dakota. In 2005, Fargo. huh? Sorry, I have to Fargo. say Fargo. 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 I can't not every time I hear it. Fargo. Fargo. In 2005 is when things took a turn for the worst. In Kootenai County, the bodies of three people were found in a home where they had been bound, tortured, and ultimately killed. These bodies would be Brenda Groen, 40, her son Slade, and her boyfriend Mark McKenzie of 37. There should have been two others in the home when these bodies were found, and they weren't. They were abducted. This would be Shasta and her brother Dylan Groin. Groin? Groin. Something. I'm not 100% sure how to say this, and I probably should have looked this up a little closer. I always think that, or else I can say it in my head, or I'll say it a certain way and think that I know it. Groin. And, yeah, and then when I go to say it, I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Fuck. I, it's G-R-O-E-N-E. I think it's Groin. So where were they? Because they weren't in the house. And how old were they? They were nine and eight years old. Dylan was nine. Shasta was eight. Oh, shit. So the ordeal started early Monday morning of May 16th, 2005. Shasta heard her mother calling from the living room, telling her to come. When she gets down there, her mother, brother, and the boyfriend were all bound with zip ties and duct tape, and they were on the floor. Jet, a.k.a. Joseph Duncan, then bound her and her brother Dylan drug them outside, and put them on the ground near a swing set. Goes back into the house. Shasta said that she, she then heard screams from the boyfriend, Mark McKenzie, who cried out several times, like screaming. They're being smashed with hammers and like... What the actual fuck? Yeah. I it feel was, like that's all I'm saying through this whole thing. What the, the fuck? fuck? Yeah. They're sitting out by the screens. Uh, this uh, swing set what follows next is not just the horrific sound but she sees her brother Slade come staggering from the house he's incoherent he's bleeding bleeding profusely from the head and she and Dylan were like calling out to him for help to be untied but he was so severely wounded that he was unable to help his younger siblings he then collapses on the ground he got cracked in the head several times with a fucking claw hammer oh my god so he died of blunt force trauma yeah but he like he she said that he looked at him but he was so dazed and fucked up that he just he couldn't 
How many times did he hit him in the head? I'm not 100% sure on that. It didn't specify, but I'm guessing he took at least two to three whacks. God. So Shasta and Dylan are then taken by Jet on a six-week living hell abduction. Jet had described to the children that he actually cased the house for several days before making his gruesome descent on the family. And essentially, he was he was already out like he was driving around just looking for kids to kidnap and he drove by their house and Shasta was outside like playing in the sprinkler in her swimmy suit and he drove by saw her turned around drove back by and then Dylan was out there playing with her and he was like yep those ones I'm taking those ones so the whole point of him taking Shasta and Dylan was for torture and sex. He had told the children that he'd been casing the surroundings for several days and using night vision goggles to watch them at night so that he could, like, figure out their routines, see the pattern of the family, that kind of thing. Oh, God. Yeah. I don't, According- like, I don't like this story anymore. No, dude, it, and you're not. That's, no, I quit. Yeah, so when he drives by and he sees the kids outside playing in the sprinkler and shit, that's when he was just like, yep, those ones. And he made up his mind that he was going to take those kids. Jet then fled with the children in a red Jeep Cherokee to a remote location in Montana to a campsite in Lolo's National Forest. Here's where the children would endure, like, unimaginable molestation, rape, tortures, the whole nines. Did he already have, like, a camp set up or anything? Yeah. Like, he knew, like, well, he had all the shit in the Jeep. Like, he knew he what he was doing. Like, he had planned all that before. He just needed bodies. Ew. Yeah. I don't like him at all. No, he's a fuckwit, and it, it gets worse, so oh, grab good. your britches. I don't want, I don't want to. So Shasta was only eight, Dylan was nine, and they would receive daily beatings, molesting, all that. Jet told the kids there were two rules, and they would follow them or they would die. First rule, call me daddy. What the fuck? No. Ew. No. Yeah, that was one of the rules. You call me daddy. And he was how old? Jet? Yeah. Let's see. This was 2005, and he was born in 63. He was 42. Yeah. So the second rule was, if you try to run away, I'm going to shoot you. I would run. I would too. Fuck that. If I if I had a choice between getting, I'm so upset I can't even talk. If I had a choice between being raped and beaten all day long or getting shot and just have it over with, I'm fucking running. I told you I, I'm, I'm a bounce. quitter. Yeah, I'm. I'm not fucking around. I I don't know it. But at eight, what eight and eight and nine, nine, you don't. That's not a, a thing that goes through your head, really. I don't think so. Especially if you've got your sibling there. You want to stay there with your sibling. Mm -hmm. You can't just bail on them unless you both run at the same time. And that was almost impossible. Following the rescue, which we're going to talk about shortly, Shasta would actually go on to describe the horrors that that took place at this campsite. They lived through all that? Well, moving forward. Oh, God. Jet would often brandish the claw hammer and, like, shove it in their face. And it was the same claw hammer that he used to bludgeon the family and tell the kids, I'm going to use this one to kill you, the same one I used to kill your family. She said that all they could do was cower and cry. And she described how she would often be tied to a tree and be forced to watch Jet beat Dylan. And he would be, like, tied to a log. And Jet would beat him over the back with big sticks until they broke. Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
um, Jet would off, like, afterwards, he would then go on to apologize, like, profusely, and beg for forgiveness, followed by rants about God. However, most of these apologies meant nothing because the harrowing threats and beatings and, and molestations continued, literally daily. So, he said he was sorry after each one of them? Yeah. After he beat him, raped him, or molested him, he would apologize, tell him, you know, talk about forgiveness, talk about God, and just, like, sit and rant and rave, but it meant nothing because then he would go on to do it again the next day. What other story did we hear that in? I feel like that's familiar. Like, I can't think of what it is where they he would do stuff to him. Oh, it was Ronald Gene Simmons mm-hmm. where he would rape his daughter and then take her out to go take her out and buy her stuff and then yeah. later tell her he was sorry and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So... Jet would also taunt Dylan because he was afraid of the dark and he would call him a coward and he would force him outside in the middle of the night, in the middle of a fucking forest, and make him sit by himself. And then on the times that he would like creep closer to the camp so that he could be by the light, Jet would then take Dylan out to the middle of like nowhere and tie him to a tree and make him sit in the dark by himself. What else is there to be afraid of though? God... Well, and Shasta would go on to say that her brother was not a coward, that he was a very brave boy. Eventually, Jet would actually go on to murder Dylan. Shasta recounts how she was standing at the edge of the campsite, and Jet began rummaging through this, like, toolbox or this cargo box in the back of the Jeep. And he said he told her that he was looking for beers. But what happened while he was rummaging around through there is there was a, like, an explosion yeah. And he had a gun in there oh, that he fuck. accidentally, like... Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Supposedly, this was an accident. But he was rummaging around in this box, the gun fired, and the bullet hit Jet in the stomach. Oh, shit. So, she's sitting on the other side of, this, on the, other side of the Jeep, like at yeah. the edge of the campsite, and Dylan's screaming in pain. So, the gun fires, apparently accidentally, out of this bin, hits Dylan... And then Shasta sees that Jet has a shotgun and he walks over to Dylan, who is actually tied by a tree, and he puts the shotgun like right in his face, pulls the trigger. It doesn't go off. (gasps) Oh, oh, my God. I just got like full body chills. I didn't I didn't even want to hear what you had to say. So Dylan's begging Joseph Duncan, Jet, not to kill him. And he's crying and he's trembling he, Jet, then reloads this shotgun, like cracks it open, drops the shell, reopen mm-hmm. or reloads. Jet's sobbing and, you know, Joseph Duncan points the shotgun at his face, pulls the trigger. Pow! Oh, God. Shasta's watching all of it. No. Oh, my God. What the fuck? And it, there's nobody around, clearly, because it's obviously not like a campground. No, they're out in the middle of butt fuck nowhere. And so she watches Jet kill her brother with a shotgun, point blank shot to the face, to his head. That is not okay. So afterwards, Jet begins sobbing and telling her in between his sobs, I'm sorry, it was an accident. And he just sat there repeating, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. How is that an accident? You it fucking pointed isn't. it as a, you reloaded and pointed it at his face. Mm-hmm. A shotgun is not that like if it's empty, it's not an accident that you shot someone. You know exactly what what bullets are in there, especially oh, yeah. if it's a break action. You know if there's one in there or not. 
So especially right after you put one in. Just saying. I mean, you don't reload on accident. No. So when Jet snaps out of whatever state he was in, because he was like pacing back and forth and all he was saying was, oh, God, oh, God. And he's crying, sobbing, you know, telling Shasta was an accident. So when Jet snaps out of whatever state he was in, he began the disposal of Dylan's body. He took the boy's corpse, wraps it in a tarp, along with Shasta's shoes, because they were spattered with his blood, obviously, and burned it all. And Shasta said that fire burned all day and night. Oh, my God. Can you imagine the fucking smell? The smell. Mm-hmm. And knowing... Uh, no, I don't like this. I don't like this anymore. Sorry. Sorry. So... I can only imagine how awful and devastating it would be for a little sister to watch her brother, A, be shot point blank in the face with a fucking shotgun, and then burned. She had to sit and watch her brother burn. Like, in this weird little canal thing. Following the extinguishing of the fire, Jet went out and shoveled the ashes into three trash bags and then dumped them into a nearby culvert, like into a, a dump pipe, where... It should have washed away any any evidence of Dylan down the river. Like the culvert pipe yeah. should have fed into the into the river. Shortly after this, Shasta told the police that Jet insisted that they leave this campsite because it was finger quote too evil. Oh, uh, hold on. Can we talk about what is too evil here? Let's just say if we get rid of one thing, it won't be evil anymore. Can you tell me what that is? I'll what? give you three questions. I'll give you three questions. I'll give you three guesses. You're only going to need one. One. And if you win and you choose what it is, you get the beer that you were looking for earlier. <laughs> it's you. You're right. It's you. Oh, God. Who knew? Fact. There's one thing in this equation that sucks. You. you. The evil one. Oh, my God. So... As the two proceeded to move the camp, Shasta said that they were at another campsite for three to four days. Now, Jet would repeatedly tell her that I'm going to take you home. To what? Exactly. Home to what? Does she know that her whole family was murdered? I think she had a pretty good idea because he repeatedly told him, like, this is what I used to kill your family when he was talking about the hammer and stuff. And so, and then they saw their brother Slade die in front of them. Yeah. So that was kind of my question. Like, take her home to what? And she's, I don't know, maybe she's too young to comprehend it all. Because it's only a year older than than Ty. But I think she would, she would know that. I mean, if you were, if you were with a madman for six to seven weeks, like stop and think about that. And on the daily, he's sticking guns and hammers in your face talking about you know this is how i killed your family this is how i'm gonna kill you and then for some unknown reason he decides to have a change of heart and starts promising her that i'm gonna take you home well maybe she has like grandparents and her aunts and uncles and she does have a dad oh yeah she does have a dad so there is something to go back to that she would want to go back to yeah fuck so Unfortunately, she was really wary of these promises because he had made them multiple times while Dylan was still alive and they were trapped at that nasty-ass campsite. 
So she was just like, I don't know. I, I guess. I think she started to lose the will to survive yeah. at that point. Jet had also told our young Shasta that she had taught him how to love and that it was a sickness that told him to kill. He told her that God told him to do it and he thought he had to kidnap them. He had to kill them. It was commanded. Just like those people who God tells them that they need to swing. Did you see that on the Oh my God, that is the creepiest shit I've ever fucking seen. By the by, both of their wives look like post-operational. I thought the same thing, like, which there's nothing wrong with that if that's what it is, but that's what they looked like. (laughs) I'm just saying. Uh, God told me that I can swing, that I need to spread the word of God by sticking my dick in somebody else. Well, you know, how better to spread the word of Jesus than by hanging with the sinners and sinning yourself? And God hasn't told me to stop. It's not in the Bible that you can't swing. Did you think you were going to see a burning bush in the middle of your swinging (laughs) session that says, no more sex with other people? (laughs) Look in the hat. (laughs) Look at your seer stones. (laughs) Sorry, that was fucking low, but it was funny. Well, that's how we do it. That's how we do it. (laughs) Anyways. Anyway. But yeah, it it was one of those things where he had continually told the kids that he was going to take them back. And then he shoots Dylan in the fucking face and moves deeper into the woods. So at this point... In my mind, even as a small child, I'd be like, I'm not going home. No. Did he ever leave at any point to go, like, get food or or anything? Or was it he didn't just specify. like... Uh, In all the stuff I read, it didn't specify. I was wondering if he ever... Li- which I'm sure he would tie them up if he ever left or anything, but... It, it didn't... I know that when he took them to the campsite, he had a lot of provisions in the Jeep... Yeah. But I don't know if he made any runs back into town. I'm sure he would have had to. I mean, it was six, seven weeks worth right. of... I mean, that's a lot of food to pack. Even if he's the only one eating, if he's starving them, which I don't... It doesn't, he probably wasn't, because when he went on a sorry spree, he would feed them, I would imagine. I'm sure. Fucker. He... Jet had also apologized to Shasta for killing her mom and the boyfriend. He said that he knows now what I did was wrong. But he never apologized for killing Slade. Just the mom and the boyfriend. Okay. So, I don't know what kind of weird vendetta he had against a 13-year-old boy. But, yeah, he apologized for killing the mom and the boyfriend, but not the the big brother. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Jet would then take back roads to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, in the hopes of avoiding authorities, and GPS, GPS records on his Jeep confirm this. They left Kellogg, Idaho, on July 1st, and there's actually... So he packed up camp, mm-hmm. shoves everything, plus Shasta, back in the Jeep, decides he really is going to take her home, takes the back roads into Coeur d'Alene, and then into Kellogg, and... There's surveillance footage from a convenience store showing Shasta and Jet entering the store where they picked up a few things before heading into Coeur d'Alene. So he went in, like, bought her snacks. They used the bathroom. That is so weird that he would, like, take her in with him. I'm like, yeah, what? 
Because people know she's missing. Oh, yeah. Do they know it's him at this point? Or do they... No. Are they... Okay, so they're not looking for him necessarily. They were looking for him because the Jeep was stolen. Okay. So they were looking for the Jeep, not necessarily Josephie Duncan. Okay. Now, Shasta and Dylan, their faces were plastered all over Idaho, Montana, and surrounding areas, um, Washington, that kind of thing, because they were endangered missing children. So he takes her into this convenience store, and there is video online that you can see, and it's the saddest shit you've ever seen, because she walks around with her arms folded, and she's, like, hugging herself. You can tell she's just, like, a shell of a little kid. Well, and I wonder how many of her bones are broken. I don't know. beaten her that much. I don't know. I think Dylan took the brunt of of the the beatings, beatings, and she probably took more of the molestation. But he liked boys all the way around, so I wonder Uh if... Uh-huh. God damn. So after they left the convenience store, Jet told Shasta that he wanted to go to the movies specifically to see Star Wars before he dropped her off at a police station. He said that he just wanted to see her happy and wanted to see a movie, bef- a movie before he was sent to prison. No. Mm-hmm. Was Star Wars even out then? The Which, new one. In 2005? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I skipped, like, that whole section of Star Wars movies and went to, like, I went from the 70s to whenever the well, newest. The episode last one came out in, like, 98, yeah. 99, something like I forgot that. about that whole, like, section of them for a second. Sorry. <laughs> I totally skipped them. Sorry, Jar Jar. Jar Jar Binks. Lisa Jar Jar Binks. You didn't exist to me for a minute. Sorry. Shasta said that. Every time Jet would threaten to kill her and Dylan, she would just cry while Dylan would scream and cry and shout and, like, have panic attacks. She estimated that he threatened to kill him at least 50 times, and she said that she can still remember the brand of the hammer that he was always oh putting in her face. Oh, my God. Well, I could imagine. I bet she was staring at it. It was a Stanley, it. Stanley Tools. Nope. Bet she never uses those. Um, she guessed that the threat stemmed from Jet's fear of getting caught, and she told police that she knew he would eventually. I she won- just didn't know when. She didn't know if she'd be alive when he got caught, but she knew he was going to get caught. Oh, my God. Shasta was eventually rec- rescued July 2nd, 2015 at a local Denny's in Coeur d'Alene. Denny's, could you wrap your fucking brain around that one? Just be sitting there all willy fucking nilly having breakfast with your family and have like the SWAT team bust in and arrest somebody. 2015 or 2005? 2005. Okay, he said 2015. July 2nd, 2005. And I thought, so then I thought he had her for like 10 more years. I'm like, what the actual fuck? No, no, no. (laughs) 2005, okay then. Sorry, Jet had taken Shasta into a local Denny's restaurant for one last meal together. And this was July 2nd, 2005 in Coeur d'Alene. So, yeah, you, you'd just be sitting there fucking chilling out, all willy-fucking-nilly having breakfast Hung with your family. fuck. And you're <laughs> just waffling it up. Yeah. Have the SWAT team <laughs> kick the door and fuck that guy. God. Yeah. Jesus. Well, what happens Christ. is, fortunately for Shasta, an employee recognized her and alerted the manager who immediately calls 911. The alert employee kept the two occupied, sitting there talking to him until the police arrived, and obviously Jet was immediately taken into custody. So, SWAT team kicks the door in, rushes in, family diner, 
Swat man. <laughs> Swat man. What's my safe word? Sorry. What's my safe word? Ooh, what's your safe word? Can I change it to peaches? No, no I'm going to stick with pineapple stick juice. With pineapple juice. I like pineapple. I bet that wasn't that kind of a rest. No. What do you think I do? Pilates or something? <laughs> That's how far I go. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is change. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how long it took me to acquire those? Some of those are limited edition. <laughs> That's my lighter. It don't work. Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's my hard drive. Don't look at it. Unless you want to see a big duck. <laughs> uh, I love him. I want Ooh. him to be my friend. I know. <laughs> Let's find out who he is and write him letters. Can we go visit him? For real. <laughs> yes. For real? I got snacks in my car. <laughs> real talk, though. <laughs> That would be me. Yeah. I I got good snacks. Because you, I mean, I can see, I can I can level with him here. You go to the grocery store and you get the good snacks. And then you get caught. You don't get the snacks. Like, oh, can't shit. you have the snacks? Like, dude, you I need you to them. know. In my console, there's a grandma's sugar cookie and some chili cheese Fritos. Oh, shit. <laughs> yes. I'm going to need you to grab those. I was thinking along the lines of that Aussie... Um, licorice because oh that's my usually God, what i the get wallaby licorice yes that's what i usually get on road trips it's always the licorice and i like the huckleberry and the sour green apple green apple is what and i usually get them together oh and eat oh yeah Ooh. it's like the twisty twizzlers only better mm-hmm. I, know. Yeah. <laughs> I like those and the sour cream and cheddar chips I yes, this is why I'm fat. I know why I'm fat. Oh, I know exactly why I'm fat. But that's my favorite road trip combination ever. See, and I like um, Spencer got me hooked on salt and pepper pistachios. Oh, and they are fucking delicious. That sounds good. And dill pickle sunflower yes. seeds. Yes, but I have to be careful because I broke a tooth. Remember? Yeah. 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 Big old hole in my tooth. I was. I'm, white trash genetics well says the girl at the hall i know um i was trying to eat those at a baseball game the other day well a couple weeks ago at tyler's baseball game and like i don't want to be the girl that spits the seeds out on the ground and so i'm like trying to be all ladylike about it and toss it in the trash and i was like fuck this i'm done i'm not even dude if i'm outside i'm spitting them on the ground if i'm in the house or i'm in the car i'll have a spit cup at the baseball park, I should be just fine because they're everywhere. But yeah. still, I, I was like, um, yeah, I'm I, a disgusting yeah. person that way. I'll just spit them on the ground. I, I should have because that's I mean, that's what you do there. But I know I don't know why. I don't know why I cared. <laughs> I, I was on pain pills. It was right after surgery. I don't <laughs> Who know. Who knows? <laughs> Moving back to the case. Shasta was then rushed to Coeur d'Alene Hospital in Kootenai Medical Center. Where, wrapped in a blanket and clutching a teddy bear, she began spilling all of the sordid details of her ordeal. All of this was videotaped and later used against Joseph E. Duncan III in trial. Also during the interview, when Dylan's death came to light, the police then returned to the area that Shasta led them to near St. Regis, uh, Montana. Per the information that I found, several sources like CBS News, KHQ News, and the spokesman review said that some of Dylan's remains were found. I'm not sure what kind of remains they were going to find that would help be identifiable if the body were burned yeah. based on what Shasta had said, but maybe there was still bone or teeth 
leftover because it didn't say. But what I do know is from the ashes, they were able to take something and send it to an FBI lab in Quantico, uh, Virginia, for DNA testing positive for Dylan. Oh, God. Shasta was reunited with her father, Steve Groin, at the hospital and was finally safe. Damn. Almost seven weeks later. Jesus Christ. Now, four weeks after her rescue, Shasta was taped returning to the Lolo National Forest, showing investigators where everything took place. She labeled rocks, you know, like this rock was where this was, this is where this was, you know, this is where the tent was. She took them to the tree where Dylan was tied and shot. Um, She identified several items, including the gun that was used to kill Dylan. Holy shit. So she had to look at all, like, she had to look at the hammer, the shotgun, like, she had to look at all that shit all over again. That's a lot for an eight-year-old, but I bet she was paying attention because she knew she would have to know, have to remember. Or when you're there for that long, you're Mm -hmm. staring at all that stuff and you remember it, like... I mean, you've got no TV, you've got no books, you've got nothing, nothing to do. So, yeah, well, and I think when you're when you're traumatized like that, you're going to remember those weird details. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We're going to we're going to move back to this depicable. Depicable. You despicable. Despicable son of a bitch that kidnapped, tortured and molested and murdered. Now, while Jet was incarcerated, he was then connected to some other crimes. Weird. Let me show you my surprise face. Right. I did not see that coming. Mm-hmm. He was actually connected to the murder of Anthony Martinez in California and two girls in Seattle, Washington, Sammy Joe White and Carmen Kubius. Each of these would have occurred while he was actually on parole for that span of 94 through 97. In California? Mm, well, Washington and California. I wonder, uh, California and parole don't have a good record. No. With Alcala, because he would kill on parole. Mm-hmm. This guy, I wonder, I don't know if he was on parole in Washington or California, but still. He, well, he would have been released from, um, Idaho, I think, is what it said. Oh, I thought you couldn't leave the state, but maybe it's just for a second. No, maybe it was Washington. He went to prison in Washington. You're not supposed to. He probably, he clearly doesn't follow simple rules like don't kill people. Well, I mean, obviously. Yeah. So all of this would have gone down while he was actually on parole. The case, these cases actually went cold until his arrest for Shasta's um, kidnapping and her family's murders. Duncan's arrest launched a nationwide review of unsolved cases specifically for missing children. There were a lot of cases during the span of 94 and 97 of missing children, which just happened to be when this dick face was paroled. Hmm. They had like a surge of missing kids. Nuh-uh. F- uh-huh. For this period. And so they did like a nationwide missing children, like endangered or whatever missing children. Jesus Christ. Also, the time frame of 2000 to 2005 when he was freed from prison. Authorities in Washington and California believe that they had enough information connect to, to connect him to several cases. Holy shit. Anthony Martinez on April 4th, 97, was outside enjoying some playtime with his friends, and they were approached by an unknown man 
who was asking for help finding a lost cat. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. No. Being smart kids, they disagreed and were like, uh, no. I don't think you fuck you and your cat. <laughs> go find your own fucking cat. Get, d- go kick Move rocks. Move along, bitch. Bye. So I got my cat. You get yours. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about your cat. Nope. So being smart kids, they told him no. They disagreed and they attempted to retreat. Only Anthony wasn't fast enough and Jet was able to snag him and by knife point, like took him to the car and tossed him in the vehicle. Anthony was found two weeks later, partially decomposed and nude. April 19th, 1997, investigators noted that during his autopsy and everything, he had been sexually assaulted. The police were able to get a composite sketch from the friends and a partial fingerprint from the duct tape that was used to bind Anthony and that was on his mouth. But the case ran cold. I don't know how. Like, if you had a partial fingerprint and this fuckhead was on parole, wouldn't they have his prints on file? To me, it just seems obvious, but maybe it wasn't enough of a fingerprint. Yeah, maybe. Obviously, I don't know. Maybe you need more than what they got. I don't know. I I don't know. Shit. Because he's obviously in the system if he's on fucking parole. Exactly. But (sighs) the case ran cold. In 2005, bloggers and internating sleuths, armchair sleuthers like us, like ourselves, like ourselves, noticed that Jet looked an awful lot like the man who abducted and killed Anthony from the composite sketch. The FBI, as well as the Center for Missing and Exploited Children, got involved, and they were able to use that sketch and the fingerprints to determine that Jet was the assailant, and on August 3rd, uh, 2005, Riverside County Sheriff officials announced Jet's connection to the case. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. What year was it that that murder happened? Sorry. 1997. Okay. I remember it now that you said it. I remember it. But damn, could you imagine being those parents and not knowing anything of who did what? Mm-hmm. And for that long, mm-hmm. for eight years, you have no At idea. At least they got his body back. Like, yeah. I, I, I guess that sounds weird of me, but... Not knowing and not having the closure is awful. Not having a body to mourn and bury I f- would be worse for me. Right. Like, I, it, I think. It reminds me of Robin Samso where they found her, like, skull and stuff. They found pieces, pieces, but mm-hmm. don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. It's almost the opposite. It, either way, it's horrible. It really is. In the case of the two... Seattle, Washington's sister, Sammy Joe was 11 and Carmen was 9. These two little lambs left the hotel that they were at to go panhandling on July 6, 1996. Oh, no. They vanished and their, rema- their remains were found February 1998 in Bothell, Washington. Jet actually confessed after his arrest to these murders while he was incarcerated in Idaho. What was he like? Oh, you got me. I did I, that one, too. I think... He either had a moment of clarity in between his crazies. Yeah. Where he was just like, yep, I did that too. Yep, I did this. Yep, I did that. I don't know if he felt remorse or guilt or if he was just like... Trying to slow, uh, speed up the process. Like, you're going to find out that it was me, so... Might as well I did fucking... It. Yeah, I did it. I don't know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I did it, it though. It was an accident. Fuck. It's kind of like when little kids slap their brothers and sisters. Oh, yeah. Brother or sister, and they're like, it was an accident. Addison does that. And I'm like, let's explain to you what 
accident actually means. It's like that scene out of Sons of Anarchy with Abel and Gemma. Yeah. Do you know what an accident is? Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, I just got chills. I know. So did I. My leg Woo! hurts, bro. Do you? Do you? Oh, it's doing it yep. again. Yep. So Joseph E. Duncan III, a.k.a. Jet, was being convicted in three different courts. So, before we get started on that, they never charged him officially with the murders of Sammy Joe and Carmen in Washington. His confession, apparently, was not enough. They didn't have, yeah, they didn't have evidence. They didn't have anything other than his confession. And at this point, they didn't know if they were dealing with a person who was mentally competent or if he was just like, yeah, I did it. Because there have been people try to take yeah. credit. I, that's the worst way possible to say that. Like, take ownership of a murder or something that they didn't actually do. Yeah. So, he was never actually charged, convicted, or anything for the shit that went down in Washington. What the hell? Yeah. Come on. Come on, I, Washington. Like, I get it, but fuck. Like, can't he give them evidence? Can't he be like, this is this and that is that? Go look. I don't know. Find something. And I think that the reason why they don't go off confession alone is because so many people have actually done exactly what I just said. Yeah. Or something will happen and, you know, people start coming forward and they're like, yeah, I'm the Zodiac or yeah, I'm this. But there's not enough evidence to actually convict in a court of law. All you have is a confession. And it's basically their word. Yeah. You know what I mean? They had the bodies that, of Sammy Joe and Carmen. They were recovered two years later. Why couldn't he tell them where the bodies were? Like, I know that the bodies were here and give them and give them. Know. Or maybe they didn't push that hard for it. I don't know. I'm sure you could find enough fucking ab evidence. Evidence? You have the evidence. You, you have the evidence. <laughs> Show me the evidence. <laughs> Show me the evidence. <laughs> So in California, he was be being charged with murder. January 18th, 2007, the same day he was actually indicted by the federal courts, Riverside officials announced that he was being charged for the murder of Anthony Martinez. Despite attempts to extradite Jet to California for prosecution, including an appeal by Governor Schwarzenegger, the federal court proceeded with their case first, obviously. Eventually, he was taken to California January 24th of 2009 for his crimes. He pled guilty to murder. This took place nearly five months after he was already sentenced by the feds. Jet's guilty plea took place uh, March 15th of 2011, and he was sentenced to two life terms in California. All right. Although he was also facing the death penalty in two other situations, he took a plea deal, the two terms without plot possibility of parole after Riverside officials like went to the martinez family and consulted and were like are you okay if he takes this plea or whatever they were like we really just wanted closure and they were like the feds are gonna nuke him long before the state of california yeah. will even ever consider it so that's good enough for us yeah then it was idaho so in idaho he was being charged with kidnapping and murder the kidnapping of shasta and dylan and the murders of Brenda Slade and Mark McKenzie, and then, like, eventually Dylan. 
Jett's first appearance in court was July 2005, and his charges included three counts of first-degree murder, three counts of first-degree kidnapping, and the prosecutors initially planned to charge Jett with the kidnapping of Shasta and Dylan. However, those crimes are actually federal crimes. Oh. So they didn't want... Well, they couldn't charge on like a state level. And the reason for that is taking children across state lines for the purpose of sex falls under their jurisdiction. The trial was supposed to begin in 2006, but was delayed and deferred at the request of the prosecution so that they could like further prepare. Yeah. Eventually, the case went before a restless judge and the judge was like, I don't want to try this more than once. You don't. I don't like nobody wants to listen to this shit more than once. A competency hearing took place where Jet's sister Sherry attended, giving the history of abuse that Jet endured as a, as a child. Prosecution didn't really question her or challenge the abuse. At this point, Jet had already waived his rights to appeal the death sentence. Like, he was like, I don't want any appeals. Just let me die. Good. Kill me. Good. Don't um, fight it, asshole. You did it. I know. At least he's owning up. Sorry. No, go ahead. I got excited. At least he's owning up to it and not trying to be like, oh, no, it wasn't me. No, yeah, he, he full bore. you. Yeah, he full bore came out the gates and was like, guilty, guilty, guilty. You need to be torture killed. We need a new type of death penalty just for you, you piece right? of fucking shit. I'm just saying we should tie him to a, tie him to a log, yep. smear him with honey, and go, go, go get those weird Amazon scary, bitey, yeah. venomous carpenter yep, yep. fucking mm-hmm. ants or whatever. <laughs> Until you die. We'll Until refresh die. honey daily. So the... The trial was deferred at the request of prosecution so that they could prepare further. Eventually, the judge was like, not going to happen. Let's move forward. I don't want to do this more than once. Competency hearing did take place. Sherry attended to give that history of abuse, talking about how he had endured so much as a child. Now, the prosecution didn't really question or challenge any of that, and this is where Jet had waived his rights to appeal any death sentence. His sister and his former attorney, Mr. Adams, both testified on Jet's behalf, saying that he just needs help. He's just broken and suffering. He He's broken and suffering? Are you fucking with me right now? No, that is real fucking life. Who said that? Who wants that? His sister and his former attorney from like previous trials. There is something wrong with both of them. I think no ma- I don't know. I think some people no matter what are going you're going to love your brother no matter what. Right. I don't know. I'm not saying I wouldn't love my brother, but I most certainly would not testify on his behalf knowing everything he had done. I'd be like, sorry, yo, you made your fucking bed. Now you get to lie in it. Yeah, there's a certain point of murdering so many people and torturing and raping that I'm sorry, brother. Like, you're my brother. Love you, but I want you to die just as bad for what you did because. Well, they talk about broken and suffering. Well, what about Shasta? You know, what about the families of. Sammy Joe and Carmen and little Anthony Martinez. What about them? Yeah. You don't think they're broken and suffering now? Yeah. Because of what your broken and suffering brother did that you clearly knew about. So maybe let's put it on you. Why didn't you help him out? You knew about it. Why didn't you try to fix it? Why didn't you try to get him help? Like huh? you guys. Yeah. <laughs> you knew he was Fuck. a level three sex offender. He'd been pr- in prison for it before. For 20 years. 20 years. 20 years. 16, no less than 16 little boys did he rape. And he's just And admitted to it. 
Yeah, and he, like, he just needs a little counseling once a week? No. No. No, no bitch. <laughs> no. No. Now. Hit just them on the nose. No, bear. No. 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 <laughs> so Jet's brother, Bruce, was also in attendance. He said that he felt no pity for, for his brother and that, yes, he did deserve the death penalty. But he also stated that Jet was a human, that he had feelings, too. He was just too far lost to know any better. Which I can get with that a little bit more because after a certain point when you're younger of getting the shit beat out of you, like you have no, you don't give a fuck about anything no. or anybody. I get that. But Jesus, fuck. He also, this is, this is a fun thing. Not really fun. He, he also said that he knew Jet was not apprehended by accident and he truly believed that his brother was bringing the girl back and to give himself up. However, Bruce also had a conflicting story of their upbringing and said they were normal teenagers of an army family. He said they moved, a, they moved a lot, but other than that, there was nothing out of the ordinary. They went to school, they went to church, they went to scouts. Nothing was abnormal, which is a completely different story than what you got from Sherry. Or di didn't he say he was beat too when they were younger? No. Or did he say? That's uh, Eileen Warnos did the same thing she said that her family in an interview that we watched there's an interview that says oh we were brought up totally fine in a nice loving home blah 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 all the neighbors and all the friends and everybody said how much their her grandpa dad beat the fuck out of yeah. them all the time that's not normal loving family like sorry so i don't i don't know who to believe on that do you believe bruce or do you believe sherry was their mom a psychopath that beat the shit out of him or was Bruce just the lucky golden child that didn't get smacked on? In my opinion, I believe Bruce, because Sherry is clearly trying to cover for him. She There's some reason they have something, or she has whatever he has, but if she thinks that he can be fixed with just a little bit of help... I don't like, know. But why did she leave the house at 17 then? Exactly. I don't so, know. I mean, it's, it's hard to say, especially when you're getting such conflicting stories. It is. Or maybe there was a middle of the road where they got beat like I did when I was little. Like, when I deserved it, I got my ass whooped. Right. And some, I don't know, some people get throttled worse than others. Like, if you if you look at the story, A Child, um, a child Called It. Yeah. There were three, three or four kids in that family. Only one of them suffered yeah. the abuse yeah like the mom pegged him and beat the fuck out of him and he was like the second to youngest yeah so like, tortured maybe him and shit. maybe there was one or two of them that got beat and the other the, one didn't the other ones just didn't i don't know the video interview that was taken of shasta the day that she was rescued was also played for the jury the defense would state that de the delays for this specific trial was coming from the prosecution who was seeking the death penalty. After several delays, the trial finally took place October 2006, and Jet pled guilty to all state charges. All of them. Good. Just guilty, guilty, guilty. Good. The video interview that was taken of Shasta the day that she was rescued was also played for the jury. The whole jury box gasping, covering their mouths, just total disbelief. Shasta's father, Steve, was sat quietly in the audience holding a tissue to his eye while this was all being played, like blotting his tears. Oh my God, I can't. Listening to the horrible things that this man had actually done to his daughter. And he's also grieving the loss of the 
two sons that yeah. he lost and their mother. Like they were divorced, but you can't help but feel something for the mother of your children. Exactly. And you spend a certain amount of time with somebody. You love them no matter what. Like it might not be the same love, but. You still care about them. It's there. Yeah. You don't want them to get killed well, with a hammer. I've, I've said the same thing about several of my exes. I'm not in love with you. I love you. I care about you. I would be sad if something happened to you. Right. I mean, major. Like, if yeah. you're in a car accident and break your arm, uh, whatever. Whatever. You're fine. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> Let me doodle on your cast. Yes. I'll sign your cast and I might bring you yummies to your room, but... That's about it. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Probably So, not. reportedly, during this trial, Jet sat with his head resting on top of folded hands like he was praying through the entire thing. He received three consecutive life sentences without possibility of parole for the kidnapping of the three he eventually murdered. So once he took, so the the three people, the mom, the boyfriend, and the big brother. Yeah. Once you take possession of them and bind them, you've now kidnapped them. Oh, wow. So not only did he kidnap them, he murdered them. So charges pended for the murders. The judge wanted to see if the feds were going to nail him to the cross for the kidnapping of Dylan and Shasta. He advised Jet that if they did not sentence to sentence him to death, he would. Ooh. So he waited. He was like, here's what I am going to charge you with. Here's your sentence for this. I'm going to wait to see what the feds fucking do. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, he doesn't deserve our fucking taxpayers' money. No. Bye. There's plenty. There's a lot of people that sit on death row for years and years and years with, like, without ever being executed. Shit. Some of them die on death row before they even make it to the fucking gas chamber. Well, Eileen Warnos was like, I'm done with this because she went and tried to get her appeals taken away. She's like, just, you're wasting taxpayers' money was her, like, exact quote. Thank you. At least you know. That's how I feel about this motherfucker. Well, the same guy that lopped off Mary Vincent's arms, and for the life of me, I can see his fucking dirty face. I can't remember his name. Hold on. I just remember that horrible story. I remember what I was doing when I was listening to that podcast, because I wasn't on it yet, so it was you guys. I remember exactly where I was for that, and I I was so sick. Larry Singleton. Yeah. Yes, that. He actually died before he ever was executed. Ugh. But anyway, so the judge was like, yeah, if the feds don't set or sentence you to death, I fucking will. Good. Yay. Yay. So two years later, he, he would be sentenced to death by the feds in court and three additional life sentences were handed down to him from Kootenai County, which makes no sense to me. You know, like if you're sentenced to death, why the fuck land him on like additional life sentences? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's already been sentenced to death, which brings me to the federal charges. Now, the federal charges took place January 18th of 2007, which was the same day that everything went down in California for Anthony Martinez. Mm -hmm. And this is where I was saying they were trying to extradite him to California and the feds were like, "Uh uh-uh, me first. (laughs) Let me have it. It's mine. His charges included kidnapping, kidnapping resulting in death, aggravation. Yes. Jesus, fuck. <laughs> fuck mouth, make words. All of them. Okay, so aggravated sexual assault, um, abuse of a minor, sexual ep- exploitation of a minor resulting in death, and other charges related to stolen uh, firearms and vehicle theft. 
So they had him on a slew of shit. Yeah, they do. The defense immediately asked for a postponement, which was granted, so the new trial was actually set for January of 2008. Jet pled guilty to all 10 charges that he was facing. Shasta was not required to testify against him due to a gag order, thank God. The details of his plea agreement are unknown. Now, I know that she, according to other sources, she did go and testify against him. She wasn't required to. But in some of the documentaries that I watched, supposedly she did. There's conflicting information because I watched, there's a documentary that you can watch on Joseph E. Duncan. And then there's several different clips from interviews with Shasta. Yeah. And so I didn't know. That's, I would want to go just to make sure the nail is in the coffin. And I wonder if that's what she was thinking, too. Like, if I go, it will help get him. Because she was a couple years older now. She was like, Mm -hmm. by the time they went to court, she was three years older. And she's probably mentally a lot older than A lot more mature. Most girls are at 11. Absolutely. Jet did dismiss his attorneys and chose to represent himself. Jesus. They advised, <laughs> yeah. The attorneys advised that he was not competent enough to stand trial alone. And after a competency hearing, the evaluation, it stated that he was, in fact, capable of representing himself. So he was like, shoo. Wow. August 2008, after three hours of deliberation, he was found guilty and the death sentence was recommended. He, he's not fighting against anything, really. So he's probably no. like, why do we need to waste their time? Like, I'm just going to be, I'm, I'm guilty. Like, do your thing. Do it, what you got to do. He was ready to go. Like, he, he didn't want, you know, he, he waived his right to appeals in every state. He was yeah. like, no appeals. Just sentence me. Please sentence me to death. Well, California wasn't going to do that. Idaho was if the feds didn't. And the feds were like, yes, recommended. Make it dead. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> Go kill that thing. Jet's standby counsel. So even after he dismissed his attorneys, apparently he had a standby counsel that could like interject on his behalf. So they filed an appeal, but he would actually go forward, write a written letter to the judge that said any appeal filed on his behalf went against went against his wishes because they did file an appeal on his behalf because of their automatic. I don't know. What state was that? Sorry. That was for the, that's federal. Oh, the feds? Yeah, the feds. Oh, I so don't that know was, how that works. Yeah. So 2011, an appeal was filed stating that he was mentally, he wasn't mentally cleared to represent himself without holding a hearing. So they held the hearing, did the evaluation. They were like, yep, sane. He's still Still going to die. Um, in it. <laughs> shoe fits. <laughs> it's like fucking Cinderella. Turtle. <laughs> We found it. Founded it. Uh, September 2012, Joseph E. Duncan III is incarcerated at United States Penitentiary in Terre Haute, Indiana. In 2013, a federal judge did rule that he was competent in all situations and that he gave up all of his appeals for the death sentence. Mm -hmm. And that judge was like... No more appeals. You get nothing. You can't file anything on his behalf. He already said no. I've got this written affidavit that says he doesn't want you to, so not going to happen. Well, 
In February of 2017, a writ of habeas corpus was filed, and in 2017, it was ordered that the government's third motion for extension of time be granted. And basically, all this said was, like, give him more time before you actually kill him. Why? I don't know. No. So the government had to respond by October of 2017. The petitioners have until... um, well, they had until January 1st of this year to respond. I don't really have any other information past that. Hmm. Yet. I, I smell a follow-up in our future. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Yet. So he's still on death row, just chilling out, waiting what? waiting for the needle. What state? He's in Terre Haute, Indiana, in the United States time. Penitentiary. Oh. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's at Club Fed good mm-hmm. getting raped in the ass i hope no he's if he's on death row he's on he's if he's solitary. on death row he's pretty isolated dude yeah. he's not going to be in the general population he's not he probably spends 24 hours a day in a cell he probably gets out to like shower eat i really wish they'd just release him to gen pop and let him get raped a little bit here and there just so that he just, knows yeah before he goes so, so when he's in there screaming why there's that one big dude that's just railing him to death, you, you know, know why. <laughs> God. Sick fuck. God. So we're going to move forward and we're going to talk a little bit about little Shasta. Hmm. Following her harrowing rescue, the long lost eight year old had a long way to go before coming, becoming whole again, obviously. Obviously. I have, I have all the chills in the whole world right now. Have you noticed that I keep saying obviously? Like it's because of that shirt that you've got on the I think it is badass gave you. Shirt. Huh? Some badass gave you that shirt. Did you give me this? I did. I got it for you when I got my Oh that's right. My wallet. I'm I, like, I, I can't remember. remember where I got this. Yeah, I, I love this shirt. I got it for you. So, in an interview in 2015, she said that it was very hard to move forward as a normal kid because she was known as a local celebrity victim. Finger Oh, God. Celebrity victim. So, everywhere she went, people were like, oh, there goes Shasta Groin. And, you know, she's that little girl that the creep took and da-da-da-da-da. And it's not like, hey, like, if we go somewhere, it's like, hey, I love your podcast. Like, blah, 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 blah. It's not like that. It's no. whisper and like point. whispers and finger pointing and awkward stares. And I can understand, like, as a young adult trying to, like, figure life out, that's going to be really difficult. It's going to be even worse the older you get and the more people start recognizing you and talking about you. You can't even go to the goddamn grocery store to get a gallon of milk and a loaf of bread without people fucking pointing at you. Yeah, or trying. I, this sounds horrible, but that's what we do. We go in the horrible places but trying to get a date later on oh yeah like is somebody she no matter what that other person is thinking she's gonna be thinking that she's broken Mm -hmm. and it's gonna be hard for her to let that down and let things be okay well and you it's kind of like a it reminds me of a a conference that elizabeth smart did Mm -hmm. and i would like to do an episode on her uh the chick the woman that helped keep her captive She's coming out on parole. Oh, fuck. Yeah, dude. I just that thought... That was around the same time as this, too, wasn't it? 2000? Mm, pretty close. Yeah, well, it was the But yeah, she's being paroled. Jesus, fuck no. So I watched this conference with Elizabeth Smart, and she said that one of the things that 
bothered her the most and was the hardest thing for her to overcome was the fact that the way that virginity was described was a piece of gum. Now, if a person takes a piece of gum, puts it in their mouth, chews it up and takes it out and goes to hand it to another person, do you want this? Of course you don't want it. It's already been chewed on. It's and already been used. Yeah, and there's no way to fix it. And there's there's no coming back from that. And so that's how she viewed herself was a chewed up piece of bubble gum that nobody would want. Now, it's going to be really difficult or was really difficult for her in her specific situation to be intimate because she thought that nobody would want her. Yeah. Because she had been used by someone else. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if that was kind of the same situation for Shasta, where she had been abused sexually and was anybody going to want her after Yeah, that? that's what I was thinking is the same thing as Elizabeth Smart. Like, she's going to be questioning herself constantly. Like, mm-hmm. am I so I'm broken? And, and it's not like she did it. She knows that it's not her fault and that right. she didn't do it. But she's the one later on that's going to have to pay for it exactly it was nearly impossible for her to go anywhere without being recognized and the like i said the finger pointing the long stares from all of the community community members was starting to be a very difficult burden to bear and shasta just wanted to be treated as a normal kid which would never happen she said that she was simply defined by her tragedy and that she started to become plagued by survivor's guilt She said that she felt like the entire thing was her fault and she often thought of ways that she could have changed the outcome. And she said that her innocence, innocence was stolen from her and that she felt very ashamed about that. She called her so-called, she said her so-called celebrity status led her into a very, very dark place. And a lot of people actually suffer from survivor's guilt. Yeah. People that are in car crashes, murders, you know, house fires, whatever. Why oh. me? Why'd I get to live? And what what I could have done this to make it better. Even though she's an eight-year-old girl, there's there's really nothing she could do to keep a grown man from murdering all of her family. No. There is nothing an eight-year-old can do at that point. And I, I, I think it's really... The fact that her mom called her down to come untie them... I don't mean to sound callous or mean or anything like that. That would be the last thing I would do is I'll, call my kid down yeah. to where the danger was. No, I'll die first. I, I would never do that. No. And maybe, and maybe, and I'm not, I'm not like shaming her mom or saying what she did was wrong. You know, if you're tied up by some fucking madman and you're in a panic, you probably, I, I, yeah. shit, I might, pro- I might probably, I might probably, I might actually call out to anybody that's listening for help because I'm terrified. But in my estimation, and and I don't know, you always say, well, this is what I would have done. But you don't fucking know what you would have done. But in my estimation, the last thing I would want to do is bring my children down to where the danger is. Yeah. Like hide. Fucking hide. Yeah. Be very, very quiet. Hide. uh, Shasta actually developed a body image issue and began drinking and using drugs as a means of relief and coping, which is not unusual for people that have survived tragedy and things of that nature. Yeah. She said she also began hanging out with older teens that she had met and they were like, Oh, there goes Shasta. She'll go get high with us. And she had finally broken that image of somebody that was just this shattered eight year old that Joseph Duncan had ruined. And she said that she began to feel more at home in that scene but it had consequences. So they weren't asking her questions about her abduction. They weren't asking. They didn't care. No, they she didn't. She was just a party buddy. Yeah. 
And to her, that was the normalcy she was looking for. Yeah, she needed somebody to not give a fuck what happened to her and mm-hmm. just to like her for who she, what she is. And in that case, it was probably because <coughs> she would get high with them, do whatever they wanted. Maybe she got drugs for him. Who knows? Because she was probably at the point of, fuck it. I know. I don't give a fuck what happens. I, you know, and to have a little piece of something normal. Yeah. To where you can go and hang out and laugh and... And you're who you are with them and not who you were when you were eight. Exactly. Well, like I said, it did have consequences. February 2014, she was arrested and taken to a juvenile detention center for drug-related crimes that landed her a 12-month sentence, which she says actually saved her life. During her time in northern Idaho in this program, she met lifelong friends, including the man that she would eventually become engaged to, who was still her fiancé. When she exited the program, she decided to move far away from her home state. The first time in a decade she had been working through the pain and wanted nothing more than to just go on with her life. But in order to do so, she needed a clean slate. Yeah. I need to be away from the people that think I'm just... There yeah. to get high. I need to get away from the people that still look at me as the abducted, uh, abduct, oh, Douglas. Yeah, just start doing the fucking scat man. <laughs> it's the scat man. Uh, more than just being the abducted eight year old that, you know, yeah. was tortured at the hands of this creep. Shasta's mother's name is actually tattooed on her arm, and she says that she looks at that tattoo every day and treats every day as though her family is still with her. She also stated that she still celebrates the family's birthdays and that it's very hard for her and noted that it often rains on those days. She said that she feels like... I already have the chills. Don't make me cry. She said that she feels like it's a small sign from her mother that they're still with her and they love her. Oh, I know I got all teary. I have chills so hard that it almost hurts (laughs) at the time of the interview shasta was actually pregnant with a baby boy who she refers to as her little miracle she was afraid that there had been too much damage done by joseph duncan for her to actually become pregnant well yeah did they say did she ever have to have any reconstruction didn't specify oh i i'm not sure um i never found like a medical record i never found anything like that yeah so um but you can only imagine a 42 year old man having sex with an an eight-year-old child is going to be pretty detrimental to her little downstairs and reproductive organs right yeah she said that this was something good in her life that would change her in the best way she also said that if she could speak to joseph duncan she would tell him that he doesn't control her that she is in control of how she feels and that she never thinks of her him and only about her family and that he has no power over her shasta had taken great strides to recover and make the best for herself unfortunately sometimes our past and our demons come back to haunt us recently april 2018 shasta pleaded guilty to two misdemeanor counts of injury to a child and was ordered to serve unsuper- unsupervised uncircumcised probation <laughs> i thought you were saying unsupersized <laughs> like that's unsupersized small those are small, small. <laughs> unsupervised probation until october of 2019 courts say that she endangered the safety of a one-year-old by leaving methamphetamines where he could reach it and ingest it and she also left drug mm. and paraphernalia near a one-month-old baby shasta now 21 sadly violated the terms one month later and june 24th of 2018 she was served 
she was sentenced to serve 18 months of probation, probation, except this time it would be supervised. She was sentenced to 180 days in jail, which was suspended in favor of probation. She was also granted a withheld judgment, meaning if she successfully completes her probation and any program that she's registered in, she can petition to have the charges dismissed from her record. The violation took place on May 10th of this year, and she had not been reporting to the health department or registered for treatment. Shasta admitted that she, you know, yeah, I didn't do any of that. She admitted to all of it. Yeah. But the lawyer did argue that she had taken steps to become full, uh, fully employed, full-time, and taken steps to become clean. She was warned about any backsliding from the judge and said that the consequences... Consequen- <laughs> <laughs> the concept sentence. <laughs> Yeesh. Those are terrible. Let me try again. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> so the consequences for her doing any backsliding would lead her into some very hot water. He said that a few missteps here and there are one thing, but if she should she try to run, hide, or lie, that he would impose everything they suspended. Shasta's descent into drugs is not uncommon for those who have endured abuse or tragedy. Um, She definitely changed from the soft and simple girl she was at 18, as now she has facial tattoos, she has a very gaunt face, and at this point, all we can say is that I hope she does well, makes it out of a pit, and hope for a swift and painful death for Joseph E. Duncan. Yeah. Painful. Painful. You know how they sometimes talk about, like, the... uh, um, like the lethal injections gone wrong. Yeah. I kind of, I'm like, can we get that for this guy? We wish that on you. We wish you a painful injection. I'm going to make a Christmas song out of that. Yeah. So also, fun little side note, prior to Joseph E. Duncan's arrest, he actually ran his own website. It was kind of like a blog and it was called The Fifth Nail. Now, this was a personal website maintained by him, and the story behind this is there were four nails used to crucify Jesus Christ. There was a fifth nail, I know. My eyes are rolling so fucking hard I know, like you're giving yourself a migraine by eye rolling. like it hurts. So the fifth nail was actually taken and hidden away by the Romans. This website adopted the name and was basically a daily blog where Joseph E. Duncan described his life as a day-to-day sex offender. He denied being a pedophile and made claims that he was himself abused sexually as a child. I don't know by who, and I've... I, I don't know. But this entire website, like this entire blog, was nothing more than him going on a day-to-day rant about being a level three sex offender, but I'm not a pedophile. No, just fiddling with kids is not a pedophile. No, I Wait, just drive what? around till I find one that I like. and uh, Usually from the age of eight to 11-ish. Um, I know that when you went to prison the first time you were underage... But when you got out, you were very much not underage. At that point, it's fucking pedophilia. 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 It is pedophilia. He sounds fucking stupid. Like he's dude. There's something I I will agree with his family. There is something fucking wrong with him. That doesn't make him any less a criminal. And the fact that he went in for an evaluation on his competency that meant he was mentally sound. Yeah. So whatever is wrong with him isn't like multiple personalities it's not schizophrenia it's you know what i'm saying like 
Yeah, you don't pass those just willy fucking nilly. Yeah. You don't because they. Uh, that's a big. It's a big to do. That's not just a hey. If I do this, if I walk in the store and take a piece of candy and leave, is that right or wrong? <laughs> like, ding, you pass. It's, no, yeah. it's a little. I mean, bit these more tests are are pretty extensive. Yeah, and so for him, and there were two. He had two different competency hearings because. The one, they were like, I don't know, there's something wrong with him. I don't think he's okay. And then they came back and they were like, nope, yep, sane, we're going to trial. And then when he dismissed his attorneys and his defense team, they were like, uh, no, he's not okay. He's not competent. Did the evaluation. Nope, yep, he is. We're he's moving forward fine. to trial. Ciao. Damn. Uh-huh. Damn, dude. Ish. I just wonder what the fuck is up with his sister. I can't get past that. Like, I wonder if she's just as crazy. I wonder if she does fucked up shit, too. I don't know if it's just one of those situations where a sister's love, you know? Oh, that's just Jet. That's how he You know how he gets when he goes on those fits. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no telling. I mean, it could be that she's equally as fucked up. It could be she's doing things out of love. It could be that she's doing that. Because she's got something to hide. I don't know. Huge, major amounts of denial. That too. Waiting for him to get, you know, say, oh, no, it wasn't him. Mm. You fuck. I don't know. I don't know. So. What a piece of shit. For sure. Thanks for bringing us this piece of shit, Angel. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, and the thing was, is I had known about this case. And I heard about it because I was in California when this, like, I I had just moved to California when all this shit was, like, going down. Yeah. And uh, she had already been rescued and everything by that point, and I had been keeping up with it. But uh, I followed that clear up until about 2011. And then things kind of went dead until, like, 2015. But yeah, he's been incarcerated for a while. We're now 2018, and he's still fucking alive. Die. We need a uh, an express lane. Yes, for him. For the death penalty. But while he walks down that lane, he gets fucking butt raped all the way down, and a few whacks with a big stick till they break. Fucking a. I think we should uh, we should do the uh, shotgun full of salt rock. Like we don't want to kill him. We just want it to sting real bad. It was an accident. It was, I'm sorry. Oh, God. It was an accident. <laughs> Did you feel that? Let me see if you feel it this time. <laughs> Let me show you my surprise face. God. Mm-hmm. What a raging cunt. Flogger. Yeah. D- Should we wrap this up? Uh, yes. Well, yeah. Get your gory gal signature bath bombs from the Purple Lotus at thepurplelotusonline.com. Use your promo code DEADPOD15 for 15% off your bath bomb order. If you want to get your Color Me Dead merch, go to colormedeadpod.threadless.com or redbubble.com backslash people backslash colormedeadpod. I'll have the the uh, cult sign up before this airs so you can go get your own shirt. With a cult sign, a cult, our cult symbol. Nice. Join the order of the chalk line. The order of the chalk lines. Also, if you are a Utah local and need some guided professional assistance on fighting your dream home, contact Ray Milliken of Eclipse Realty Estate Pref- <laughs> Professionals. Professionals. 
If you're a Utah local and you need some guided professional help on finding your dream home, contact Sarai Milliken of Eclipse Real Estate Professionals at 435-219-4858. You guys can find us on Facebook. We have the Color Me Dead podcast. We also have the Color Me Dead group, which is a place for all of our listeners to... um, Basically, be inappropriate, tell bad jokes, and interact with one another. Make friends. Make a friend. You can find us at, on Instagram at Color Me Dead Podcast and Twitter at Color Me Dead Pod. You can find me on Instagram at Gory underscore Nikki or on Twitter at Entune. So maybe lock your doors and stay ever vigilant and, and stay, stay out, out of chalk lines. lines. Goodbye. Goodbye.